Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, a look at the 2014 NBA draft, something of a redraft, and also the Timberwolves actually have a pretty decent recent draft history. Also, Flip Saunders perhaps was the best drafting president of basketball operations the Wolves have had, at least in recent memory. Let's break that all down on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today on the show, we're going to talk a lot of historical draft to kind of get everybody ready. We're a week out now uh, from from the dra- this year's draft, right? One week from today. So uh, uh, next Thursday night, a big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. This show, of course, is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. That's on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. This one and all the other Minnesota Locked On podcasts. Again, Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Look for the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. You can also follow on Twitter, of course, at my account, which is at Beacon, or the show account, which is at Locked On T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. Uh, so here's where this started. I was just kind of looking around at, you know, um, the different Timberwolves feeds on different sites. I was looking at Bleacher Report and they had like a redraft of um, of the 2014 draft. And of course, that's very relevant because of Nikola Jokic and also Joel Embiid now winning an MVP, but like between the two of them, three MVPs now in the last three years. And that was a weird draft. So I, I also talked about it a little bit on the show on Wednesday of this week in regards to um, Lane Vashro, former Timberwolves commenter, member, uh, or member, I guess, user that was at the site, Canisupis, quite a bit back a decade ago or so. And he is the director of, I don't know, basketball research or something, analytics with the Nuggets, has been in their front office for several years. And he had a, a model, a statistical model that spit out basically a better top five than actually than the players who actually were the top five in the draft in 2014. So I was digging into that draft a little bit more. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. I thought the Bleacher Report redraft was actually pretty decent. So I do want to start there, and then I want to get into the Wolves' recent draft record, which actually isn't too bad. By recent, I mean going back to really the start of the the Flip Saunders era number two, right? So 2013 and beyond, Um, or I guess another way to look at it would be the post-David Kahn era. Um, There's certainly a couple exceptions, and and I know many of you watching or listening to this right now are going, Jerry Culver, Jerry Culver, I get it. There are exceptions, but in general, especially given the Timberwolves and the entirety of the Timberwolves draft history, like, um, well, we'll get into that later. And in and, and my conclusion is that Flip Saunders was actually pretty good at drafting. And I believe, I think it was three drafts that he oversaw. So we'll get to that later in the show. Let's start, though, with this 2014 redraft. And again, Bleacher Report had this. So I'm going to kind of rattle off what they had and then and then kind of my, uh, my commentary and my edits to it, what I would do differently actually think it's a pretty good list. And let's start by doing this. Let me kind of list off who the top 10 was, and then I'll, I'll go through the redraft top 10. 
So in 2014, Andrew Wiggins went number one overall. Of course, it was to Cleveland. The Kevin Love trade was not yet uh, put together, but it had been you know rumored that Cleveland was interested. It officially was announced, of course, in July after Andrew Wiggins had already done the rounds, the interviews, wearing Cavs gear, and the whole thing. It was a couple of weeks later that the trade was actually consummated. So Wiggins went first to Cleveland. Jabari Parker went second. Of course, um, injuries derailed him a bit. Uh, Joel Embiid, w- which is actually being um, underselling that, derailed him a lot. Joel Embiid went third. Injuries were a concern when he was drafted. Um, and, and at the time, you know, with the back issue, and and uh, that was that was a, a huge concern. Aaron Gordon went fourth to Orlando. Dante Exum, fifth to Utah. Marcus Smart went sixth to Boston. Julius Randle, seventh to the Lakers. Of course, he got hurt early in his rookie season. Nick Stauskas, remember him from the University of Michigan, went eighth to the Kings. Noah Vonley, former Timberwolf, went to Charlotte at nine. And Alfred Payton went 10th to Philadelphia. So in that top 10, I think in the actual top 10, you're probably still going to find four or five guys, probably five guys. And here's how Bleacher Report redrafted it. They, of course, have Nikola Jokic first, and everyone likely knows the story. He was actually drafted 41st, um, and there's now a, uh, a uh, uh, I guess it's going around that there was actually, if you were watching the draft on ESPN at the time, there was a Taco Bell commercial. He was drafted during the during the commercials, because that's what happened to the second round, right? And incidentally, incidentally, by the way, keep this in mind when I talk about how the Wolves have drafted better recently, um, the pick right before Nikola Jokic was number 40. That was the Timberwolves pick. They took Glenn Robinson the third. Now, we could play the, well, guess who went next game. All we could do a month's worth of shows on this throughout Timberwolves history in any team, right? Because that's not really a fair way to evaluate a draft. But when it's one pick away and it's the second round, it's like, man, if they had thrown the dart just in a little bit of a different place, uh, I guess a very different place going for a, a, a foreign big man instead of a, um, you know, a, a, a Big Ten athletic wing. Anyway, a Jokic pick there obviously would have been amazing at number 40. Instead, he went 41st. He's obviously number one in the redraft. Number two has to be Joel Embiid. Um, I mean, there's no question about that at all. There, there's literally no argument. They've got Andrew Wiggins. Bleacher Report is Andrew Wiggins at number three, Julius Randle at four, Zach Levine at five. Of course, he went to the Wolves and Flip Saunders, who we'll talk about later, at 13 in that draft. They have Aaron Gordon at six. Remember, he went, what was it, fourth in, in real life? Uh, yeah, fourth to Orlando. Marcus Smart at seven. At the time, Marcus Smart went sixth. They have Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, at eighth. Clint Capella, ninth and Spencer Dinwiddie 10th. So I actually, I think this is pretty good. It also speaks to the depth of this draft. Um, I probably wouldn't have Randall 4 and Levine 5. I actually would probably have Aaron Gordon 4th. I know Julius Randall has been an all-star now, and you know this year wasn't great, but the year before was very good for him. Uh, I probably would, would put, in fact, I would put Aaron Gordon at 4th, and I would keep Levine at 5th and drop Randall to 6th. Levine has too many defensive issues, and but he's still a good enough scorer that I'd rather have him on my team. Again, we're talking in a vacuum, like depends the rest of you know, the makeup of the rest of your team, right? Beyond one and two, because Jokic and Embiid are the clear top two. You could even argue that Wiggins should be lower than three, although um the the Warriors championship and being one of the top easily three best players on that team, uh I guess I can't argue with him being third. It's just the first six, seven years of his career were so disappointing. Um especially for Timberwolves fans, it's it's understandable that like you could argue that he can't be three. 
But you could say the same about Aaron Gordon, right? He had some empty stats, some defensive issues early in his career, didn't develop the jumper, and now he's turned into a complete defensive stopper, has transformed his game into athletic, you know, dunker and inefficient offensive player to just a well-rounded, better than a role player, like a super role player. Um, So putting Aaron Gordon third or fourth would be totally fine with me and bumping those guys down a spot. I'd probably leave Levine at five and put Julius Randle at six in this redraft. Um, and you could actually argue Marcus Smart six and Julius Randle seven, but I'm okay with Smart at seven. Kyle Anderson at eight, that's a good spot. Remember, he actually went 30th in that draft, the last pick of the first round. There were, of course, concerns with his athleticism. Just didn't end up mattering really at all. And, and I understand why you wouldn't take him in the top 10 at the time because what's the ceiling of a guy with limited athleticism? He's probably about as good as you can be at that size with the limited athleticism that he has. Um, and, and clearly if these players were redrafted, he would be a top 10 pick. And he was again, 30th at the time. That's completely, I get that Capella at nine, Dinwiddie at 10. I'd probably, I'm I'm nitpicking, but I'd probably put Dinwiddie ahead of Capella. Jeremy Grant's 11, Bogdan Bogdanovich at 12, Nurkic at 13, Dwight Powell, who we talked about as a potential free agent option for the Wolves this offseason on Wednesday's show. They have him 14th in the redraft. He was a second round pick, um, as was Jeremy Grant. And uh, I think that's probably about right for Grant at 11, Bogdanovich at 12. You could maybe flip those guys. I'd maybe put Powell ahead of Nurkic actually as well. I know injuries derailed Nurkic a little, uh, but Powell's been really good for Dallas for a while. So just the moral of the story is that was a stacked draft. And it's so crazy that um, Embiid and Wiggins, who were in real life, actually two of the top three picks would still be the two of the top three, but the number one guy would be somebody who ended up being drafted 41st in Nikola Jokic. And of course, Jabari Parker never really, it never really panned out for him really, you know, not entirely at all his fault. And then Aaron Gordon at four, like he's still in that same neighborhood. Like the only big misses in the top 10 were, oh, I say only, there's always a couple, right? Dante Exum was a huge miss. Stauskas was very disappointing as a pro. Um, I should say Exum had a little bit of a revival there, but still disappointing for the fifth overall pick. Stauskas at eight ended up having a very disappointing career. Noah Vonley has revived his career and is, you know, was on the Celtics uh, and, and played some rotation minutes for a really good team. But uh, there's been, he hasn't been what people thought he could be, right? Everyone was hoping he'd be a light, a very light version of Kevin Garnett at the time and ended up being a decent pro. So he's not a massive miss at nine. Alfred Payton, kind of a similar story, a little underwhelming, but not a bad pro at all. And then you get into the um, into the teens and it gets pretty interesting. You get Doug McDermott, the end, the end of the lottery, Doug McDermott, who's had a nice career, probably a pretty, I would imagine guys drafted 11th overall. This is a pretty average, if not better than average career for Doug McDermott. Dario Saric, Took him a little bit to come over, but has been a rotation guy minus injuries. Zach Levine at 13. We talked about TJ Warren at 14. Adrian Payne, um, uh, of course, rest in peace to Adrian Payne, was drafted 15th by Atlanta and the Timberwolves. Flip Saunders forked over a first round pick for him. By the way, when I talk about Saunders later, I'm talking about his draft record, not his trade record or the overall Pobo record, if you will, the president of basketball operations record, just strictly drafts. Um because the pay and trade was not great for the Wolves. Uh, anyway, a good overall draft. And I do want to compare a little the really kind of primarily the 13, 14, 15 drafts mostly uh, here next and talk about the Wolves, how they made out in each of those drafts. We'll get to Saunders as well because that's a related conversation. So that's what we'll do here the rest of the show today. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Game Time. 
if buying tickets to your favorite event is stressful, then you absolutely need to use game time. If you're like me, you're bad at planning ahead. Sometimes I'm better than others, but a lot of times, especially if I'm going to go to a baseball game or last minute concert looking for something to do, it just means I haven't planned ahead and I have I have to try and figure out the best way to get the best seats and also the best deal. Game Time can do that for you. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Lockdown's NBA Mock Draft special is here and it is bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience only Lockdown can deliver. All episodes are available right now on Lockdown NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, yours truly did not get to participate in the mock draft with no first-round pick, but it's a great listen. Uh, the other host did a fantastic job um, drafting this year for the mock draft, as, as uh, if I can speak for all of us, as we always do. All right, uh, Timberwolves' recent draft record. Believe it or not, it's decent. And I I am going to talk about 14, 2014, which I just mentioned. But let me just say, like, big picture-wise, now, obviously, jury's still out on last year quite a bit. The the draft night moves that the Wolves made to kind of, uh, uh, you know, well, not kind of, they did, to to get Josh Minot. Wendell Moore Jr. was, of course, their first-round pick. But Minot and Mateo Spagnuolo in the second round, very much jury's still out. I would never, like, redraft or evaluate a draft that's literally less than we're less than a year removed from it. So put that aside. Uh, no picks in 2021 in 2020, the Timberwolves drafted Anthony Edwards, of course, one overall, and, uh, that turned out pretty good. <laughs> um, or, or has so far, obviously with, uh, with more to come. Right. Um, so, and the other moves they made in that draft, like, you know, coming out with Jaden McDaniels and, of course, trading back from 17 with, with the pick that ended up being Alexei Pokusevsky to uh, to the Thunder and then getting Ricky Ruby on draft night, trading J- tra- drafting Jaden McDaniels, excuse me, drafting Leandro Balmaro, who's actually already out of the league. Um, in general, like, it's still too early to truly evaluate that, but if Ant becomes, you know, 85% of what we think he's going to be, just throwing out a random number, uh, then that's a, that's a pretty good selection, right? Um, so, yeah, I would say that, that 2020 turned out pretty well with, with Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels, of course, both about to get their, uh, their extensions. Um, going back a little bit further, 2019, we're getting back into Gerson Rosas territory. Of course, I guess Ant was as well, but 2019, that was the, uh, the trade up for Jarrett Culver season uh, or draft, I should say. Not, I mean, that's the exception to the rule. Uh, basically at this point, right? Like, like that was not, that was not good. Uh, the Wolves, of course, reportedly were trying to get up to get Darius Garland, which would have been a better selection, but uh, still that would have been a, a tough place to be to trade up from 
trade up from 11. Cam Johnson went at 11 and has, of course, uh, been impressive as a pro. Guys that went in between, though, like you're not missing out a ton, right? Kobe White, Jackson Hayes. Uh, well, Jackson Hayes is a nice player. Uh, Rui Hashimura, Cam Reddish, like all decent rotational guys. Again, we're still just four years in, but the Wolves traded up to six and took Jarrett Culver, missing Darius Garland at five. Um, that was just kind of a weird draft after Zion and Ja going one, two, RJ Barrett has been disappointing in general at three. DeAndre Hunter has come into his own in some ways, but still a bit underwhelming for a fourth overall pick. There's a little bit of depth to this draft with uh, I don't know, Jordan Poole later on. There's still some hope for Kevin Porter Jr. Um, and then the Wolves took Jalen Newell in the second round and Nas Reed is an undrafted free agent after this draft. So we want to lump that in, which is maybe a little bit unfair. Uh, but the 2018 draft for the Wolves, or excuse me, 2019 draft for the Wolves, besides Derek Culver, the Noel pick was fine for a second rounder, getting Nas Reed fine. Um, and you're not, again, dra- trading up from 11 to, to get Jarek Culver was not great. Given who they missed out on, it wasn't the end of the world. 2018, that was the Josh Kogi draft. That was coming out of the playoff season where the Wolves did win game 82 with Jimmy Butler on the roster. So Butler's on the roster at the time. The Wolves come into the draft with pick number 20. And Tom Thibodeau does just a fine job. Drafts Josh Kogi at number 20. One pick before Grayson Allen. Um, you know, a few picks before some other good rotational players. Aaron Holiday, Landry Shamit. But I think you still, Robert Williams of, of the Celtics. Like, you can't be upset with picking a Kogi at 20. I mean, they didn't miss out on anybody significant, uh, even looking into the second round. Like, obviously, there's, again, like the Jokic year. You can't get mad at all 30 teams, for all 29 other teams for missing on Jokic necessarily because everyone did it. But, like, uh, Jalen Brunson was a second-round pick in that draft. Jared Vanderbilt was a second-round pick in that draft. Uh, Bruce Brown, um, very topical. But... All that to say, Akogi at 20 was a solid selection. Like, that wasn't a miss. You can't complain about picking Josh Akogi at 20. And actually, Keita Bates-Diop at 48 was fine for a second-round pick, too. Of course, the reigning Big Ten player of the year. Hard to get upset with that with that selection, either. So now we're all the way back to 2018, and there's only been one really bad draft. Um, 2017 was, of course, the draft that the Timberwolves made the Jimmy Butler trade and drafted Laurie Markkinen on behalf of the Bulls and then selected... Um, Oh my goodness, I'm completely blanking on his name now. Who'd they take at uh at like 15 or 16? 16, Justin Patton, that's who it was. Who, you know, had apparently what appeared to be all the talent in the world, but then injuries just completely sapped any potential out of him. And that ended up not being a good selection. And it's hard, again, hard to really be upset about that because how would you know that? There was no reason to think he was gonna have the foot issues that he had. The only guys that went after him in the first round that you'd be you know, upset that you didn't take were John Collins, Jarrett Allen, OG Ananobi, obviously all very good players. And at the very end of the round, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, um, other guys that uh, were were good, ended up being good NBA players. But, uh, you know, like, I guess John Collins maybe would have been a, a, a real potential pick at 16. He only went three picks later. And and Jarrett Allen, like at the time, again, um, with Carlton Towns in the fold and Jimmy Butler in the fold, like what are you looking for? You're thinking longer term, uh, a backup big and the profile, Justin Patton fit the roster better than say a John Collins, who was more of a scoring big, less of a defender. Like Justin Patton was supposed to be less of a pick and roll big, like Patton was supposed to be. So that's extremely defensible as well. You get back to 2016 with Chris Dunn. And that's another one. Like it doesn't look great. And, and you could be like, ah, done over Jamal Murray or done over, um, who went right after after, after uh, Jamal Murray? I know Murray went six. Chris Dunn went five. Oh, Buddy Heald. Sorry, Buddy Heald went six. Jamal Murray went seven. 
at the time I wasn't doing this podcast. I was writing at Dunkin' with Wolves and we had our own podcast over there. And I was on record as saying the Wolves should take Jamal Murray at five. If they took Buddy Heald, I'd be okay with it. Well, as it, but I did not want Drag- Dragon Bender if he slipped. As it turns out, Bender went four. He's out of the league. The Wolves took Dunn at five. Heald and Murray both would have been better selections. They've both been better NBA players than Chris Dunn, although injuries have definitely slowed Dunn down. Um, and, and he actually was a pretty decent NBA player for a couple of years. There's no doubt Heald and Murray have had better careers, like, obviously. Um, so, yeah, that was a miss in terms of talent. But I bet that trade happens the same regardless. The Jimmy Butler, the, the following year, a year later, when Dunn's traded to Chicago, I bet whoever's picked there is traded along with Zach Levine to Chicago to get Jimmy Butler. Now, we don't know that for sure. I guess it's possible. The Wolves say they drafted Jamal Murray and he had a, a really solid rookie year or whatever. It was better than Chris Dunn. The Wolves said, no, you can't have him. You can have Wiggins instead. And you could have, but they never would have traded Wiggins and Levine, right? So it's kind of a moot point. I think whoever the Wolves draft there gets traded to to Chicago um, in the Jimmy Butler trade anyway. So we could play the like the butterfly effect game then too. Like what if it was... Jamal Murray and Murray ends up in Chicago. Then does Murray stay in Chicago? Do they trade him? What does, you know, who does Denver end up with at seven? Do they end up with Chris Dunn or Buddy Heald? Um, Such a, obviously you could do that with literally every draft pick throughout NBA history. But from a Wolves perspective, that's fascinating. That takes us all the way back to 2015, which was the last draft that the late great Flip Saunders was in charge of. He ran the 13, 14, 15 drafts. I want to talk about those. I want to talk about how, you could argue he did a better job than Tibbs, a better job than Rosas. And, uh, you know, the ant pick, like, hard to miss when you're at one. You could have taken an ant or LaMelo Ball. Either way, you're happy at this point, probably. Um, so, like, I don't know. Given the hand that, that Flip was dealt, he was pretty good in 13, 14, and 15. So I want to look at those drafts here next to close the show. All right, Flip Saunders was hired to run the Timberwolves after... Uh, David Kahn was fired. And at the time, I along I was not alone in in being upset with the hire. I didn't think Flip Saunders coming back to Minnesota was necessarily being done for the right reasons. It felt like a uh, was the old term, the country club with with Glenn Taylor. And uh, I, like that was just my analysis at the time. And he one of the first things he did was he traded because he kind of had to. He traded Kevin Love, the um, the um, Andrew Wiggins trade happened after the 2012 draft, uh, or excuse me, 2014 draft. So it wasn't one of the first things he did. It was after his first season in Minnesota. I I mixed up those years. That was 2014. Uh, His first draft in charge was 2013. And he had the number nine pick. And the rumor at the time was that Flip Saunders wanted Contavious Caldwell-Pope at number nine. It was a question of whether or not he'd be there. I believe that the reporting afterwards backed that up, that he did want KCP, which was an astute, like that's, what I would have done, I was worried about CJ McCollum's size. McCollum ended up going 10, and obviously he's been very good, um, to, to, which is putting that a little bit lightly. But I liked KCP at nine. When he went at eight, Flip made a trade. He traded back, and he ended up with the number 14 pick and the number nine pick. So he traded back one spot. Uh, excuse me, no. He... <laughs> They had the number nine pick. He got 14 Shabazz and he got 21, which ended up being Gorgie Jang. So he traded back from nine to 14 and 21. That's pretty good value. And when KCP was off the board, like in hindsight, yeah, taking CJ McCollum would have made a lot of sense there. Um, 
but that's good value, right? And it was better than drafting Trey Burke. Like Trey Burke ended up being a much worse NBA player. He's had a little bit of a renaissance more recently, but disappointing overall, certainly disappointing for his rookie contract. And trading back wasn't a bad thing. Now, drafting Shabazz and Gorgie, like Shabazz Muhammad, I never liked him as a draft prospect. He obviously was out of the league in five years. And even though he did some decent things as like a small ball four towards the end of his career and actually the end of his Wolves career as well, um, I never liked him as an NBA prospect. And, and as it turns out, I mean, obviously everyone knows Giannis went with the next pick, 15 to Milwaukee. The rest is history there. I didn't like that pick. Gorgie at 21, though, that's really good value. He was a very good player, a starter for two, three seasons in Minnesota, a very good player for longer than that in Minnesota. And still in the league, um, I'm sure he'll be on a roster next year, too, if he wants to be, just because he's a team guy, everybody loves him, great community guy, and and still can play a little bit uh, in a pinch. So anyway, I, that was good value. And I thought the right pivot, and certainly better than drafting Trey Burke. And, and I don't think missing Giannis by a pick is is worth getting too upset about it. I mean, like, it is, but like... I'm not going to rake Flip Saunders over the coals for that because I thought that that was overall good value for that trade, and I get why he did it. So that was the 13 draft. The 14 draft, they ended up with Andrew Wiggins, and they didn't have to give up any of their picks from that year. They drafted Zach Levine at 13, and I'll be honest, I didn't want to take Zach Levine at 13. And same thing at the time, I was I was writing for Dunkin' with Wolves, and my um, my take was like, hey, Levine is didn't even start in college. He's a, an athletic guy. He's not a good enough shooter to take now, like, what's going to come of Zach Levine? I think he's too raw to, you know, try and plug and play him in the NBA. Uh, I was wrong. At 13, that was the right pick. Like, realistically, you weren't going to reach for, you know, you weren't going to take a big like a Yusuf Nurkic. You weren't going to, I mean, Gary Harris would have been okay at that pick. Obviously, Levine's had a better career. I liked Gary Harris. That was a, he was a player that I, I kind of wanted there. I never really liked Rodney Hood as a prospect. Shabazz Napier, you know, he's out of the league now. Uh, you weren't going to reach for Bogdanovich or Kyle Anderson, probably. So given what was on the board, of course, Nikola Jokic was also on the board, but ended up going, you know, whatever, 28 picks later. It ended up being a great pick. Zach Levine at 13. I was wrong about that. Flip Saunders was right. He took Glenn Robinson the third with the 40th pick. Of course, one pick before Jokic. Um, but besides Jokic and Dwight Powell and Jordan Clarkson, there wasn't anybody else after him that was necessarily a better pick. Glenn Robinson kicked around the NBA for a few years. He's been out now since 2021. But, uh, you know, as far as second round picks go, like hard to get too upset about that one as well. 2015. 2015 draft now. This is uh, the Wolves won the lottery, which, of course, there's that heartwarming video of Flip Saunders and Ryan Saunders and other Timberwolves personnel celebrating when they got the first overall pick because that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen to the Timberwolves. And then, of course, tragically, just a few months later, Flip Saunders passed away and he never got to coach Carl Anthony Towns in a game. Of course, at this point, he was the head coach and then Sam Mitchell ends up being the interim in 2015. But that year, he got Towns at one, which was the right decision, obviously. But don't forget that that wasn't necessarily a slam dunk. I, I do think like three quarters, two thirds of three quarters of NBA media and mock drafts had Towns at one. But the early reporting was that Saunders wasn't sure and he was kind of leaning towards Julio Okafor. And of course, many Wolves bloggers and people that follow the team were freaking out about that. And rightfully so. As it turns out, Okafor would have been a miserable pick at number one. D'Lo, of course, goes number two in that draft. So Towns goes one, D'Lo goes two. It ends up being a, a kind of a, I'd call it a top heavy draft. I mean, like, Nobody else is in the same neighborhood as Carl Anthony Towns. In fact, 
Uh, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. Uh, Devin Booker ends up being an all-star, obviously, and, and is, is is in that draft. And what was he? The 13th pick. So Booker and Towns are the best two from that draft. D'Lo, Chris Stapps, Porzingis are fine. But um, really, like nobody comes close to Towns and Booker in terms of uh, like really impactful players from this draft. Saunders also coming into this draft had two valuable second rounders in, in Chetty Osman and Rakeem Christmas. Uh, well, sorry, two second round picks. 31 and 36. They ended up being Osman and Christmas because he traded those two picks to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And at the time, I was a little bit nervous about it. I was pretty so-so on Tyus Jones as a as a draft prospect. I was worried that the Wolves weren't doing this for the right reasons. It was, oh, he's a you know Minnesota native, Apple Valley alum. Uh, why are we trading two valuable second-round picks up to get Tyus Jones? You know, is it worth giving up the 36 pick to jump seven picks to guarantee a contract to potentially an undersized point guard? I was wrong. Flip was right. Um, trading 31 and 36 to get Tyus Jones was really astute. Tyus Jones quickly became one of the best. Well, they didn't give him a ton of minutes early. He became one of the best backup point guards in the league, and he still holds that title, in my opinion. Ends up getting the nice contract from Memphis and now has been extended in Memphis. A really, really solid NBA player. And if fantastic value at number 24 in the draft. So Flip coming out of that draft with Towns and then packaging two second rounders to get Tyus Jones at the end of the first round. Um, I would say that borderline's on genius in terms of in terms of uh, draft skill. So looking back at this, hard to find a better three-year stretch. It really is. Shabbat, I know I'm sorry this is Shabazz Muhammad, but avoiding Trey Burke and taking Muhammad and Gorgie Jang um, in year one, which again, good value, like you're not going to complain. It's not like a, 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 and I know the bar here. I should also point out the bar is low because we're talking like, it's not a Rubio over Steph Kurt Rubio. And uh, um, we'll said Ty Lawson. Oh my goodness. Rubio and uh, Johnny Flynn over Ty Lawson was in the same draft. Rubio, that draft is just burned into my mind. It wasn't a, a Ricky Rubio and uh, Johnny Flynn over um, Steph Curry draft, right? It wasn't 2009, but still like 13 was Fine. Like, it wasn't great. It was fine. 14, really good. You end up with Andrew Wiggins. You you draft Zach Levine. Your second round's okay. 2015, you draft Towns. You trade up for Tyus Jones. Find me a better three-year stretch in recent ter- Even going back to Kevin McHale, besides the Zerbiak pick and the Kevin Garnett pick, there wasn't much in between to be too happy about. Um, when it, And, of course, the Wolves ended up forfeiting a bunch of first-round picks because of the Joe Smith contract. But recently, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Dunn, I mean, fine, not better than, you know, the Chris Dunn, uh, Justin Patton, Josh Okogie, uh tip picks by Tom Thibodeau. That's not a better three drafts. The two drafts that Gerson Rosas was in charge of, he traded up for Jarrett Culver, drafted Jalen Noel in the second round, and then drafted Anthony Edwards and uh, um, did all the other, uh, you know, the Gene McDaniels trade like that could turn out to be very, very good. And then depending on how Wendell Moore and Josh Minot develop, we could look back at the last three and say, well, let's throw out Jarrett Culver. Uh, maybe it ends up being the 20, 22, and 23 drafts uh, that end up being impressive. But it wasn't a bad three-year stretch for Flip Saunders, and I wanted to point that out. In fact, I'm thinking maybe later this summer we'll go back and do, uh, like, I don't know if it's ranking moves, but actually kind of unpack each president of basketball operations tenure in charge of the Wolves and the moves they made overall, not just drafts, but like all of it, right? Like how was Rosas's tenure, which were maybe a little too close to, to, to fully evaluate compared to Flip Saunders brief time at the helm compared to Tom Thibodeau, who's of course in between there. And then the McHale era, um, leading into, uh, uh, David Kahn leading into, 
Tom Thibodeau, like going back to each of these eras, it'll be a little painful, but it should be fun. So that's something I want to look at doing here later this summer. Once we get past the draft and free agency, which reminds me, um, Coming up on the show, I think Friday we'll probably do some second round evaluations, certainly some more draft talk, and then next week, that's what we'll be doing, because the draft is next Thursday, um, so make sure to uh, to tune in for that. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find this show anywhere you listen to podcasts for free. That includes YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.